Let's pray. Father, I pray that the Lord of our God, Jesus Christ, barring the prayer of the Apostle Paul, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto all of us, including me, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Let the eyes of the understanding of our heart be enlightened so that we would know what is the hope of your calling. What are the riches of the glory of your inheritance that are in each and every one of us who are your saints? And help us to know the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And then I bow his prayer in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I pray that my speech and my preaching will not be with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but demonstration of spirit of power that our faith will not rest in the wisdom of man, and certainly not in the wisdom of Brian Green, but in the power of God. In your name we ask it. Amen. Amen. I'm going to read them. A whole chapter, there's only 12 verses, but I really feel that the, the Bible kind of has a, it, it just tells the story better than me paraphrasing it about what this day's all about. And I've put three versions of the scriptures together uh, the Passion Translation, which is TPT, the New Living Translation, the NLT, and the Message Bible which is the MSG uh, version. And so I'm just going to read it, and it explains all that I want to share, and then we will uh, talk a little bit about uh, how God wants to minister to you through the resurrection, you know, whether you are in this room, in a lower sanctuary, watching online, or if you're watching the recording later. It says, who has truly believed our revelation? The Message Bible says, who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? To whom will Yahweh, the Lord, reveal his mighty arm? My servant, which is Jesus Christ, he's prophesying, grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender plant before the Lord like a root in dry soil, which kind of indicates that he will be born in the Middle East. He possessed no distinguishing beauty or outward splendor to catch our attention. Nothing special or attractive in his appearance to make us desire him. He was despised and rejected by people, a man of deep sorrows who has who, have, who was no stranger to suffering or grief. Whatever you're going through right now, Jesus is not a stranger to it. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. We hid our faces from him in disgust and considered him a nobody, not worthy of respect. Yet he was the one who carried our sicknesses on his back and endured the torment of our sufferings. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment for God, from God, a punishment for his own sins. 
but it was because of our rebellious deeds that Jesus was pierced and because of our sins that he was crushed. It was our sins that did this to him. It was our sins that did the crucifixion to him. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. Like wayward sheep, we have all wandered astray. Each of us has turned and left from God's path and chosen our own way. Yet Yahweh, the Lord, laid the guilt of our every sin upon Jesus. God, the, the Message Bible says, God piled up all of our sins. Everything we ever did wrong, everything we may be doing wrong today, and everything in the future was put on him. He was oppressed and harshly mistreated. Still, he humbly submitted, refusing to defend himself. He was brought like a gentle lamb to be slaughtered. Like a silent lamb before his share, he didn't even open his mouth. You talk about justice, unjustly condemned, and with a perversion of justice, he was taken away. No one cared about his future. He was cut down in the prime of his life, being only 33 years old. For the rebellion of his own people, he was struck down in their place. He had done no wrong. He had never deceived anyone. But he was buried or about to be buried like a criminal, and yet God found a rich man's tomb to put him in. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him with grief. He will be restored to favor, and after his soul becomes a guilt offering for Brian Green, he will gaze upon his many offspring, us who is believers, and through him, Yahweh's deepest desires will be fully accomplished. Verse 11, and when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. He'll see that it was worth it. Tell the person next to you that Jesus says his death was worth it for you. Jesus said his death was worth it for you and he was glad he did it. By knowing him, the righteous one, my servant, will make many to be righteous, including me, because he, because he, their sin bearer, carried away their sins. Final verse, so Yahweh will give him, Jesus, the honors of a victorious soldier, because all he poured, because all of him uh, he poured out his life blood to death. He was counted among the worst sinners, and yet he carried sin's burden for many. And now he intercedes. Right now he intercedes for those who are rebels. 
I, I want to speak to you on a subject, one word, and that is, I want to speak to you on a subject seven. 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 This, this particular chapter in the Bible was written by a prophet by the name of Isaiah. And what is interesting about this, for those of you who may not know, is that this prophecy that Isaiah gives about Jesus was given 700 years or seven centuries before Jesus came on the earth. And yet God uses Isaiah to prophesy exactly how Jesus was going to die on the cross for our sins. And what struck me as I was reading this is that the Bible says that we have access to the presence of God through the blood of Jesus. In other words, the only way you're going to get access to heaven and eternal life is that you have to have the correct ticket to get on board. And you cannot buy your way in. You cannot, you cannot good deed your way into heaven. Because the Bible says that all of our goodness, as much as you may be doing works of justice and, and, and works of taking care of the poor, and nobody is going to be able to get access to God, get into his presence, get to heaven, have eternal life without appropriating to themselves the sacrificial blood of Jesus. If you can get to heaven without the blood of Jesus, then God wasted his time with this day called Easter. So, and, and, and you say, well, why is that? It, it, I believe, first of all, because we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, which means that we were born sinners. That's why you have to teach a child how to not lie. You got to teach a child how to not steal. Come on, moms. How many of you, you, you your child, I mean, they, they, they can't even talk and they're grabbing stuff that don't belong to them. You have to say, no, don't touch. Not yours. Don't touch. And like, like the, the, in our DNA is to do sin. And, and in our hearts, we are born, we come out of our mother's womb with a fist to God saying, I'm going to do what I want to do. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ that is able to cleanse us. And the word clean simply means free us from that mindset so that we can obey God. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. amen. So the blood is very important. You can't even pray without the blood of Jesus Christ. The only reason God hears you and I is because of the sacrificial blood that Jesus shed on the cross. But what I discovered is that 
He shed his blood in seven different places, which makes me to realize that I can live a free life in Christ. So as I was looking at how the, the, pro, the progression of the blood sacrifice, the first area where Jesus shed his blood was on his back and his shoulders. When they took, when, when uh, uh, Pilate had Jesus beaten with a whip, you call it the cat of uh, nine tails, and, it, and it's, it's, a, it's a whip with nine different strips of leather, and they would put bone and, and rocks in it so that when, when you got whipped, it would tear off the flesh. And the Bible says that by the, the blood and the wounds that came out of his back, you are healed. So literally, when you are sick, you could say, God, because you have shed your blood for the sickness that I am dealing with, I am claiming your blood for my healing. And you may say, well, why doesn't God heal everybody? I don't know, but I do know that he's still a healer. I don't have to carry the burdens and the weight of life on my shoulders anymore because Jesus' blood is so powerful that he was able to say, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Take, for my yoke is easy. That means the weight you're feeling on your shoulders. My burden is light. I remember uh, I used to go to, uh, before the pandemic, I used to go to a masseuse, uh, and there's this guy who, who I didn't realize he specialized in, in, in uh, giving massages to pastors and ministers. And, and you say, what do you mean? Because I sat with him, and he says, he says you, you're feeling stressed in your shoulders, aren't you? And I said, yeah, how do you know that? And he said, because you're a pastor. I was like, what do you mean, because I'm a pastor? And he said, and he did this, he said, when you're sitting with somebody, and listening to them pour out their heart, you're leaning in like this because you're listening to them and you want to be attentive. That's creating stress in your shoulders. I was like, wow, you are a man of God. <laughs> but my point is, is that the stress you're feeling, Jesus came and shed his blood so that you don't have to, ah, uh, carry that burden. That's why the Bible says, Peter picks it up in 1 Peter chapter 5, which says, casting or rolling all your cares on him because he cares for you. Tell the person next to you, Jesus' shoulders can carry your burdens. As a pastor, I can just look at some of you, and though you're walking in like this, I see you like this because you're carrying the weight of life on your shoulders. But Jesus says you don't have to do that. He shed his blood for the weight you're carrying right now. Amen. The other place after he was whipped, and I'll move a little faster, is that the, the Roman soldiers, because Jesus 
claim truthfully that he is the king of the Jews, they decided to make a crown out of thorns that were anywhere between one to one and a half inches long. And they took the thorn and rammed it on his head and said, behold, the king of the Jews and blood started pouring down on his head. And for years, I was like, wow, that is horrible. And so the Lord gave me a revelation when I found in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, which says, the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse, purify my conscience, purify my mindset from dead works, works that are killing me, thoughts that keep messing me up so that I can serve the living God. I remember my mentor, uh, Bishop Ezra Williams, once said these words. He said, if you think you can, you're right. If you think you can't, you're right. You just got to decide what you're going to think. The blood of Jesus can set our minds free from discouragement and depression and disappointment and, and, and confusion and anger and all these thoughts that constantly, this is where the warfare goes on, and arguments that say you'll never amount to anything and, and you won't prosper. The blood of Jesus can set your mind free, and that's why Jesus had the th allowed the thorn the crown of thorn to be on his head so that the blood can pour down and release your mind from works and thoughts that keep killing you over and over again. I was reading, and I'm almost done, last page. <laughs> I, I was reading an article, it's called Why American Teens Are So Sad. And it's by Derek Thompson, and it came out um, this past week, April 11th. And I realized that it's not just teenagers, <laughs> it's baby boomers, it's Xers, it's like, everybody's so sad. It's quiet in this place. And I don't want to read some of it because, I, and I want, to, I, want to be, I want to be a little bit transparent with you if that's all right. Uh, so Steinberg says, and I, I didn't want to do the whole article, but I thought this was, he says, we're coming out of the pandemic, well, kind of, and then all of a sudden, Russia goes to war. Every day it feels like there's something else. Can I get a witness out there? Every day it feels like there's something. It creates a gloomy narrative about the world. This sense of doom doesn't just come from teenagers, it comes from us who are adults the news media, and from social media channels through which our work as, as uh, journalists is distributed. News sources have never been more abundant or more accessible. Can you say amen? Even fake news. But journalism always has a famous bad news bias which flows from an unfortunate but accurate understanding that negativity generally gets more attention. Negativity gets more attention. If you're driving on the highway and a good Samaritan is helping somebody change their tire, but let there be a car crash. 
When I was a child and couldn't understand uh, terms, I would listen to traffic reports. And the, the, the person doing the traffic report on the, on the radio would say, oh, there's a Gaka blocker on uh, Route 93 South. And I'm like, a Gaka blocker? What's a Gaka blocker? And then when I became older, I realized that I was part of the Gaka blockers. What does that mean? You see an accident, and you slow down, and you gawk. And your slowing down causes everybody else to slow down. Have you ever noticed that after you gawk, you go from 15 miles an hour to back to 70? Ooh, turn your neighbor and say, he's talking about you because you, you saw you driving the other day. <laughs> yeah, tell somebody online, you, you, yeah, he's talking about you. <laughs> when we plug our brains into a news feed, we, usually, we are usually choosing to deluge ourselves with negative, deluge ourselves with negative representations of reality. Woo. Sadly, one children gets killed and everybody feels like their child's in danger. Sadly, you have a robbery over in California and everybody in New England's worried because there's a deluge of bad news. So we cannot rule out the possibility that teens are sad about the world. Not only because the world contains sadness, but also because young people have 24-7 access to sites that are constantly telling them that they should be depressed about life. Can I be honest with you? During the beginning part of the pandemic when we were in shutdown, Anybody remember? You could like everything was shut down. You weren't supposed to go anywhere, and and nobody could drive anywhere. And then on top of that, uh, uh, George Floyd got uh, murdered. And then we we heard about all of a sudden uh, Breonna Taylor, which happened before that, and uh, um, Ahmaud Arbery. And and so all of this was happening. And it was weighing my spirit down. And, and, and though I was putting on a happy face here, and then on top of that, you can only have 25 people in, in the building. And at one time, I think it was Christmas morning, uh, just me, my wife, and, and a camera were in, in, the, in church, and, and the, uh, no musicians could be in, no praise singers, and we're sitting here by ourselves, hot the herald angels sing. And, and, and I'm going to tell you something. I may have been like, no, you know, well, we weren't singing Jingles Bell, but, uh, you know, joy to the world, the Lord. I was saying that on the outside, but on the inside of my mind, I was really saying, am, am I cut out to pastor this church through these times? Maybe, no, now that I'm in my 60s, maybe it's time for me to, to tap out. Like, like, can I do this? My mind was, was, was sinking into depression. Yeah. 
So I'll say, hey, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I was on the outside, in my mind, I was like, on the inside, I was like, God, am I going to make it? God, am I going to, God, am I going to make it? God, forget you all, God, am I going to make it? And, and I get paid to make it. <laughs> and the thing that kept me is that the blood of Jesus can free your mind from negative thoughts. Thoughts that are saying you're not going to make it. And, and, and God did exactly what he did. He freed my mind so that I can now see hope again and give you hope. The third and fourth place where he bled was his hands. Why is that so important? One of the scriptures I love is in Psalms 90, verse 17, I believe it is, yeah. He says, establish the works of my hands. O Lord, the works of my hands, establish thou it. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna, I don't wanna go through life wasting time. I want the works that I do to last. We just came out of, the win out of winter, praise the Lord. How many of you, I know I, there must be at least one person who has this experience. You have spent maybe an hour shoveling your driveway. Can I get a witness? And, and, you, and you look at it and you feel good that you, 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 you did a good job, cleared it out, and then the plow comes down the street. And you're praying, God, let the blade turn towards the people across the street. Can I, can I get a witness? I mean, you, I, come on, can I get a witness? You know it's wrong. I mean, I have, I have believers, Christians who live across the street, and I, and I want to pray, God. And they just, they can wipe out your work in three seconds. And sometimes, don't you even feel like they're doing this on purpose. <laughs> and my point is, is that, God, you bled on your hands, Jesus, so that I can do works that will last throughout eternity. And, and notice, oh, you, you got to, for those of you who are first-time guests, when I say a point that I was like, ooh, that was nice, I, I slapped my wife five, okay? Oh, no, oh, no, yeah, she said there you go. I see you. Notice his hands were nailed to the cross. Some of you, Lord have mercy, no matter what you do, you feel like you're stuck. Jesus got stuck for you so that you can be free to do the works you were created to do. Tell somebody, I'm not going to be stuck anymore. This is your year. This is your year to do the great and marvelous things. In fact, let me give you scripture that will help you. It says Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, one of my wife's favorite scriptures, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God already knows what college you're supposed to go to. God already knows who's going to hire you. I don't care what the economy says. There's a house for you if God, hey. 
God already knows the people he's going to save through your ministry. God already knows. Stop worrying. You are not stuck because Jesus got stuck for you. That's a good word. That's a good word right there. Sure is. You better preach, preacher. I will preach. You don't have to be stuck. Get up out of that grave. Get up out of that grave. Get up out of that grave. There's a reason why the crosses that we carry no longer have Jesus on the cross. He's risen. Amen. In fact, let me, let me get, this is for you, Brother Henny. Okay, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna practice something a little bit, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Liturgical, okay? Many of you all know, but some of you haven't been raised in, in church or you don't know the liturgy. So I'm gonna say, Christ is risen. See, see, oh, you see, see, you liturgical folks. And, okay, so Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. See, see, he, for those of you who didn't hear it, he is risen indeed. Indeed. Indeed, meaning that this really happened. Yes. Not in mind, yeah. indeed. So Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Okay, now those of you who are online, you need to say this. This hope. One more time. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Okay, see, I, Elder Roy, you look like you're the only one who gets this. You see. When you're at a sporting event and your player scores, okay, or there's a dunk that's just, just, just to make you, you know, that just makes you go, oh my goodness. And usually you, you make an ugly face and then you look at the person next to you as if to say, did you see what I saw? Did, did we share the same experience? So, when I say Christ is risen, could you act like Jesus dunked death in the basket of hell? He gave the devil a facial. And then Jesus, and I love my, my grandmother used to say this, she used to say, come on. Now, now, my wife isn't the devil, so. But, but see, the Bible says that Jesus, while he was dead, he went to hell and took the keys from the devil. Now, now when someone takes your keys, they just punked you. The, de the Lord said he took the, what keys? He took the keys of death and life so that he was able to say, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? And so when I say, Christ is risen, uh, only a few have got it. Only, baby, I didn't say it right. Christ is risen. Oh, a few more got, got it. You better get up, you better get up, you better get up online. Christ is risen. Oh, that was better, that was better. They need to hear it in, they need to hear it in Central Square. Christ is risen! Yeah. Woo! 
one more time. And after you say he is risen indeed, let's give him a standard ovation. Christ is risen. Yes, 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 be seated just for a moment, four more minutes, four more minutes, he bled, that's right, you can play, he bled on his back, one, he bled on his head, two, he bled in his hands, three, four, he bled in his feet, five, six, which means, what does that mean, Bishop? One of my favorite scriptures when I was going through tough times, Psalms, 20, Psalms 37, verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Joshua chapter one, verse three, four, everywhere your feet goes, God will give you that territory. What am I saying? God told me, Brian, because my feet were nailed to the cross, you don't have to be stuck where you are. You don't have to be stuck where you are. And then finally, the last place where he bled was his heart. What do you mean? I always thought that when, this, when the soldier stabbed Jesus with the spear in, in his side to make sure Jesus was dead, I thought he stabbed him and it just hit his side. But then the Lord gave me a revelation and he said, Brian, that's not what happened. And then I looked up some commentaries that confirmed and he said, Brian, remember, Jesus was lifted up on a cross. So the Roman soldier had a stab upward. And in stabbing upward, some believe he went through the stomach straight to the heart, which is why he bled out of the stomach water and he bled out of the heart, blood. Jesus knows how to heal your broken heart. His blood can heal your broken heart. Final point I want to make is seven areas that Jesus bled, and we know that seven equals the Sabbath. And Jesus, the writer of Hebrews says, there is a rest prepared for the people of God. He who has entered into God's rest can cease from his own works. God wants to bring you into a place of rest. What's a place of rest? A place of rest is when God 
when you stop doing your works and God goes to work. When you stop trying to figure out your life and plan your life and God says, let me plan your life for you because I've already created good works for you to do before you were even born. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And yes, believe it or not, we're going to close. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, you, you don't have to be stuck. You don't have to be carrying the burdens of life. You don't have to be going out of your mind. You don't have to be fruitless resultless in the works that you do. You don't have to live with a broken heart. Isaiah 53 tells us that Jesus bore all that for you so that you can be set free to do what God has created you to do. And that you can do works that will last beyond your life. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, and all that means is basically you're saying, Jesus, I know I deserve to die. I know I deserved the punishment that you took for me. And so I'm going to appropriate, meaning that I'm going to come to you for the gift of substitution, meaning that I'm going to accept the fact that you stood as my substitute for that beating. You stood as my substitute for that whipping, for that spear. Like, like, like I should have been punished for my own sins, but you took it for me because you love me. And so, Jesus, I'm going to accept your sacrifice of sin on my behalf so that I can be free to do what you've created me to do. That's what salvation is. And so as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're here and you're saying, Bishop Brian, I want to give my life to Jesus, and I'd like you to pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. We're not talking about joining churches. We're talking about joining Jesus. And maybe you were once walking with the Lord, you're not walking with him anymore, but you're saying, I I'm going to rededicate my life to Jesus. Whatever camp you stand in, Jesus is saying, I want you. I didn't come to the world to condemn you. I came to rescue you. And so as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're here and you're saying, Bishop, could you pray for me? I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to come up. But right where you are, could you just slip up your hand so I can see it, that you want to give your life to Jesus? Those of you, if there's one, if there's another, just put your hand up. I see that hand. Just slip, I'm just, you don't have to come up. I'm not going to ask you to say anything publicly. Uh, just slip up your hand. You want to give your life to Jesus. Raise it. God bless you. I see your hand. Any others? Any others? He wants to, he wants to come. I, God, God bless you. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Could you keep your hands up, please? Keep your hands up because now we're going to pray. 
and we want to make sure that we know who we're praying for. Keep your hands up, and you can still keep your eyes. See, two more hands going up. It's never too late to lift your hands. He wants to come into your life. He's not going to force himself. God bless you. I see your hand up front here. God bless you. I see your hand up front here. See, see he, he is not going, he's not going to force himself. The Bible says he stands at the door of your heart, and he's knocking, and he's knocking. If you're online, raise your hand online, and somebody online will see your hand so that you can receive Jesus Christ. Again, it's not joining the church. It's just, wow, look at those hands going up. Look at those hands go up. Please, 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 please. He wants to come. This is a new season for you, a new day for you. God bless you. God bless you. Now, those of you who raised your hand, we're all, everybody's going to pray together so that way you don't have to be self-conscious about your prayer to the Lord. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to ask you to repeat the prayer. So everybody who raised your hand, could you slip your hand up again? You're basically saying, God, here I am. I'm, I'm on with God. Bless you. Keep, yeah, everybody who raised your hand, keep your hand up. Okay, everybody repeat after me. Dear Lord, I come to you this afternoon, and I admit, Lord, that I'm a sinner. And all that means is Jesus does not live in my heart. But Jesus, I thank you for dying for my sins. And being, and, wrote, and being raised again so that I could become a child of God. So Jesus, since you're alive, I am asking you, come into my heart and save me. Jesus, thank you for hearing my prayer. And right now I know that I'm a child of God. Amen, 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 amen. Yes, it's that easy. 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 We, we our, our welcome committee, our welcome team rather, gave you cards to fill out. If you could please fill those cards out because we want to make sure that you grow in your relationship with God. If you need a Bible, we want to give you a Bible. We want to make sure that you grow with Christ because God has a life for you that is, God is basically saying, I've been waiting for you. And oh man, wait till you see the good things. You're going to be surprised at the life that you had planned out and the life that Jesus had planned out before you were even born. Can we give God praise for those who gave their life to Jesus, those of you online? Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now, in this church, we don't close with a closing prayer, a benediction, we close with a blessing. Because we, want, we believe in blessing. And, and the word bless, the definition that I use for the word bless is to speak words that empower a person for success. And so I'm going to bless you. And then after, if you can join us downstairs for a time of fellowship, we can get to know you. And you know, some of you haven't been to church since the pandemic, so we can catch up. But we're just going to have a wonderful time. Did I forget something? Yes, I did. Okay, tell me what I... Nope. Okay. Um, I can have them sit down then. No? Okay. Okay. I got too many things on my mind. Um, okay, let me put out your hands. Those of you who are new, we, we put out our hands like this because we 
are receiving a blessing from the Lord. If you want to know, where, where is that? It's in the Bible, Numbers chapter 24. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26. It's called the priestly blessing. And so, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May he look after you, shield you, defend you, and take care of you. May the Lord make his face to shine, grin, beam, and show his pleasure on you. May the Lord show you his favor that will promote you, appreciate you, support you, side with you as you side with him. And finally, may the Lord give you his shalom, his shalom, his peace, his rest, his harmony, his calmness, his composure, his prosperity, and his success this week, this week, this week. And may the Lord remove anything and everything that causes agitation or discord with his divine purpose and destiny for your life. I bless you in the name and reputation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody say, I receive that blessing. God bless you. And as you're leaving, our praise team is going to give a nice outro. fun? Y'all already have a little fun? All right, it's like six people. That's fine. Y'all ready to have a little fun? Okay. Come on, put your hands together.
Hey family, thank you so much for joining us for today's service. Special thanks to those of you who continue to generously support the work of this ministry. We are so grateful for you and it's because of you that we can be a blessing to this community. If you enjoyed the service today, please like, share with your friends and family, and subscribe to our channel so that you can get a notification whenever our services go live. We also invite you to follow us on social media at PT Cambridge in order to stay connected to this ministry. Hey, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for watching and God bless you.